think about it this way, that, that atonement is really just the beginning of everything else, of everything from here on out. Atonement is the beginning. Be like, be like this. Like, like when my, my family moved to North Carolina, Carolina and, and, and I got my sons connected with Taekwondo, I decided I, I wanted to kind of sign the whole family up. Now, now secretly, it was because I wasn't enjoying the, my uh, weight level, which had gone up. So, so I decided I'm actually going to sign the whole family up, and we're going to do Taekwondo. So I went in. I signed the form. I got our geese and, and our belts, and, and I, we actually put them under the Christmas tree, and we actually put them on, and we got to kind of, you know, look, look the part at our house. Now, think about it this way. Signing up for Taekwondo, deciding I needed a life change, I needed to go a different direction, that was like atonement to a degree. Now, nothing necessarily is actually being atoned for, but it was the beginning. It was actually me making a statement that I'm going to believe on this thing called Taekwondo to get me in shape, help me lose weight. But guess what? That sign-up didn't get anything done. Like, I had to actually go to class. In order to become a black belt, which I became, I actually had to continue on for three and a half years of going to class testing for different uh, stages and belts and things like that to actually become a black belt. You see, during that process, I had to continue on. And my instructors had a huge part. The classes had a huge part. But guess what else it took? It actually took my effort as well. It took my willpower. It took me showing up. Think about that now as life in Christ. If atonement is the beginning, then life in Christ is everything else. Life in Christ is actually living out this Christian faith day in and day out. It's growing in this Christian faith. It's learning more about this Christian faith. It is sometimes being challenged by this Christian faith. It is actually sometimes even reluctantly saying, yes, Lord, I will obey that because you're challenging me. I trust you. And you're going to grow me. I, I just believe that. Life in Christ is what comes after atonement. Listen, you need to hear this this morning. If you have rested on one component, I have substitutionary atonement. Christ atoned for my sins. All of it's true. If you think we doubt it for one second, go back and listen to last week's teaching and understand how strong we believe that here at Windover Hills. But if you stopped here, and you never moved on to how significant and important life in Christ is, then outside of this, you've missed everything that Christianity has to offer. And that's really where we're going this week in our remaining few minutes just to talk about this life in Christ. Now, John, one of the followers of Jesus, one of the closest uh, of the 12, he actually ended up writing some of this out about life in Christ. And if the gospel of John is all about you and me understanding that Jesus is the Son of God, his letters at the end of the Bible, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, are really about him thinking, man, my time's expiring. He was old then. Christ hasn't come back. I better write this down very clear in letter form and send this to the churches so they understand really clearly what life in Christ is all about. Here's one of the passages he writes in that short book of 1 John. 
He says this, he who has the Son, Jesus Christ, if you have the Son, if you know the Son, if you are believing on the Son and following the Son, has what he calls, look at this, the life. The life. Now, this is very interesting here. Whatever the life is, John is actually declaring here there is a way to obtain it. Now, conversely, he says, he who does not have the Son does not have the life. It would make perfectly good sense to John quite simply, quite clearly, that if you have Jesus Christ, you have the life. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you don't have the life. Here's a struggle we hit sometimes. We sometimes think that just because we believe in this substitutionary atonement, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that I automatically have the life. No, you just had the doorway that opened up to the life. Your sins are dealt with. They're no longer a problem. They're no longer an issue for your life. And now Jesus says, now come walk with me. Live with me. Let me build into you. I'm going to give you the life. This is what John believed. That's why he wrote this letter, specifically at the end of his life, to make sure the churches and the Christians scattered throughout the world understood this principle. Quite simply, he is saying this. Christ is the source of the life. Christ is that source. Whatever that life might be, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Jesus is the source. So listen, this morning, this may be what you need to hear. If you've been looking for that life in material things, in relational things, in addictions, if you've been looking at it for your own self-worth, you know, or climbing the corporate ladder, all those things that, that, we search for sometimes, if you've looked for those and said, I'm trying to find the life in those, John just has a clear, quick message he wants you to hear this morning. Jesus is the source of that life. Jesus. Listen, you got to understand this. How do I obtain this life, right? How do I get this life in Christ? Listen, hear this. It's not through atonement. Wait a second, Tom. you saying... The life is not through Jesus dying on the cross for me. you got to understand this. Jesus dying on the cross for you dealt with all of your sins. It dealt with all of that. That is gone. It's wiped away. God looks at you, and he sees you as pure and perfect before him. But life in Christ is now this commitment that atonement offers to walk my days as a follower of Jesus Christ. To say, I'm now going to follow you, Jesus. When I wake up in the morning, I'm actually going to say, I'm gonna, you know, Jesus, I want to spend some time with me. I want you to tell me, Jesus, what, what should I be about today? How are you challenging my heart? Every once in a while I flip through there and I see a passage or something that, that challenges me. And I go, I don't want to do that, Lord, today. And I'm reminded the life is found in Christ. And I say, I'm going to trust you, Jesus. And I'm following you and your ways today. John, in his gospel, actually writes it this way. He uses this word, abide. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you, get this, abide in me. Like, John is quoting Jesus here. And Jesus is just saying, look, just like you understand, if you go out in your yard and you cut the branch off the tree, right, Forget it. It's not growing. If you lay it on the ground, it's going to turn brown within a day or two. 
It's never attaching itself back. It's not going to spread with more leaves and fruit if it's that kind of tree or bush, right? In the same way, we cannot expect to expound, to grow upon atonement in Christ unless we abide in him. Unless we stay connected with him. Unless we're getting from him the source of everything we need to grow and produce in this life. John understands this principle. In fact, there's so much John could have wrote in his gospel. This is a passage he makes sure he writes. In fact, if you want to go and you see this type of passage, you'll see three different times John actually speaks in this, in this way, these terms, so his readers understand. Abide. It's this Greek word, minnow, right? And this is what it means, to stay, to remain. To stay and to remain. Well, we understand that right now, don't we? I mean, we're in a stay-home order, which means you and I are supposed to stay in our houses except for these essential purposes, right? We stay. Now, some of us are going a little crazy staying in place, right? But that is the word. It doesn't just mean stay as if I'm telling my dog, hey, stay. Oh, good dog, good dog. All right, come on. It actually means you remain. You stay there. You do not move. And if you do there will be some type of effect. And so now when we understand what John is saying here is abide, remain, stay in Christ. Because if we don't stay and remain, we don't get the benefit of what Christ has to offer our lives. So this week we're talking about this second component. We talked about substitutionary atonement. This week we're talking about this very simple term, life in Christ. Listen. If you said yes to following Jesus, if you said, look, I had a sin problem, Jesus took care of it on the cross, I believe in him for that, from here on out, life is about this, life in Christ, living out what it means to be a follower of Christ. It brings us to an important question, what comes with this life in Christ? I mean, what really comes with it? Listen, we don't have time this morning to, to go through every single thing the Bible talks about that is a benefit to you and I and to kingdom and to people who are far from God right now when you and I abide in Christ. But what comes with life in Christ? We can talk about just a few things this morning. Here's the first one. You get value and meaning. Listen, every single one of us are looking for value and meaning. Even if you don't walk around and you say, look, I want to find value in this relationship today. I want to find value in this TV I purchased. I want to find, we don't say things like that always, but we live our life out looking for value and meaning. Have you ever been with somebody who you, you would just want to ask, and you know you're smart enough not to say it out loud, but you want to ask, why are you always validating yourself to me? Well, quite simply, because we're all trying to look for value and meaning. And we do it in different ways. We actually learn that value and meaning in our life comes in our life in Christ. Take a look at what Peter writes here. You are a chosen people. Now, he's talking to believers now. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Look at this. God's special possession that you may declare the praises for him. We just did that through song. We can do that through how we live our life. Who called you out of darkness, and into his marvelous light. Now, you remember, light and life, they connect all throughout the New Testament. So we find here that you're chosen, you're special, 
you're called, and there's this wonderful light, this wonderful connection to Christ that comes. That is your value. That is your meaning. Sometimes, if I'm honest, I find it much easier to tell somebody else about their value to God through Christ, or for somebody to say it to me, than me to tell it to myself, to remind myself. And so a passage like this is important to me, because you memorize this, you lock this in, and those times when the enemy wants you to doubt, you have no value, you have no meaning, you have no purpose, I'm reminded, no, yes, I do. Yes, I do have value, because I choose to live a life in Christ. I choose now to move on from the atonement Christ offered me, sin's not a problem, and to live in Christ every day. And I find value and meaning. What else comes with this life in Christ? I actually find purpose and mission. That God just doesn't say, hey, like, you're really important to me, but then does nothing with me. We all think of a time when maybe a coach has felt like they've needed to give that value speech to say, hey, everybody's got a role. Everybody's important on this team. Everybody it needs to be here. But then every once in a while, there's a player that sits on the side, and they never play. They never have a purpose. They're never given anything. It's almost like we feel like we have to give the value meaning speech. But does the purpose and mission come along? A life in Christ, listen, is about purpose and meaning. It is God saying, look, you're of tremendous value. I love you, love you dearly. And when we choose to follow Christ, Christ is now saying, like, all right, let's go now. You've got a purpose. You've got a meaning for being here. You've got a mission to, to go on now. Early on when the disciples were following Jesus, these are just guys that Jesus went around and selected. You know, they were not like the best of the best from a category like the religious leaders would have chose. Very soon after Jesus started to build into them, you know what he did? He said, all right, guys, here's what's going to happen now. Go out. Groups of two, I want you to just go out, and I want you to start blessing people and healing people and preaching Christ to people. Just go. Not, not, like, not like in your neighborhood. I want you to go. Get out of your town. Go to other places and start doing this. I mean, could you imagine, like, this Sunday morning? If we said, okay, church is five minutes long. Here's what we're going to do. Everybody in church this morning, get out of your house. Start walking the neighborhood. Start blessing and healing people and preaching Christ to people. Some of us would be, like, freaked out, right? Some of us would feel like, man, I don't, I don't even think I could do that or I don't want to do that. But in Christ, we actually find we get purpose and meaning, this purpose to bless and serve people and to build his kingdom. That's what we get in Christ as well. Listen to this passage, Romans 8. It's one that is fairly popular, but let's put it in context. Paul is writing, and he says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Now, we like the first part. All things work together for good, and, and we're good with that. But the passage says, for we know that all things work together for good for those who love him. Those who love Christ and are choosing to follow him and to serve him, to, that are choosing this life in Christ on a daily basis, that these actually things work together for good. Which means in the middle of your hard times, in the middle of pandemics, in the middle of difficulties, in the middle of hardship or devastation even, that God can work the circumstances and situations of our life together for good because we love him and we trust him. 
and we're going to learn something and walk with him in this journey. But we don't often read the last part of this passage. Who has been called, that's us, according to his purpose. According to God's purpose, we have been called for that. God gives us purpose. He gives us a mission to get on. Get out, go do this, you have purpose. There's action behind this word. And we're given that when we have a life in Christ. Here's this list, last one that's just really significant. What comes with this life in Christ? It's God's presence and God's peace. Listen, you get value. You're important. We love you. You're so, so special. You get purpose. Hey, now let's get out there and let's do the work of the kingdom together. There's so much to do out there for God's kingdom. But as you go, as you're doing this, you need to remember God's presence and God's peace goes with you. Everywhere you go, every good thing you run into, every difficulty you run into, as you're living out following Christ, God's presence and God's peace goes with you. God's presence. Do you understand that this all-powerful God is everywhere all the time? I know you've heard me say it, those of you who call Wendover Hills home, but I'll say it again. It is as if God's presence is so visible everywhere, we've never gone anywhere without it, that he is pressing around us all the time, just waiting for us to invite him into this space. Come, be in this space. Like right now, right here, this morning, there's somebody sitting listening to this. You've been a Christian a long, long time. You've kind of tuned out all this language about God's presence, and you're missing that right now, God's presence, the real God, is actually waiting patiently right here in your face, waiting for you to invite him into your space this morning, to commune and dwell with you once again. He wants you to abide within him this morning. He's always available to us. And then God's peace. This peace, as we've said before, that passes all understanding. It means this peace that comes even in the midst of difficulties or hard circumstances or confusing moments of our lives. We have this peace. I'm going to trust Christ. I'm going to keep walking with him and following him. I've got value. I'm going to keep walking with the purpose. I'm going to understand that this peace comes along. It's why the Apostle Paul, if you ever get into the New Testament, right, if you read all the letters that Paul wrote, starting in Romans and just read all the way through, you will find at the beginning and end of most of those books, or most of those letters is what they really are, he has some phrase where he says, grace and peace. Grace and peace to you. Listen, here's an example, 2 Peter 1, 2. He says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace. Why does Paul always say this, grace and peace? He is simply saying, if you break it down in the, in the original language, he is just saying this. God's presence. That's God's grace. The loving presence of God. That is God's grace. God's loving presence. Goes with you everywhere. God's presence. And then God's peace. Right? Not what we think peace is sometimes. Right? It is God's peace. Peace that passes understanding. Peace that's there even seemingly when it should not be there. Peace that is found in following Christ and trusting Christ. May it be in abundance to you. A bunch of it spilling over everywhere. 
through the knowledge of God, my growth in God, and understanding of God, and of Jesus Christ as well. That's where this is coming from. That's what life in Christ has to offer, value, purpose, God's presence, and God's peace as well. This is what we're talking about this morning, life in Christ. Listen, if, you, if you're resting this morning, when you say, hey, what's Christianity all about? You, know, you would say, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. And you're moving on with life. You are missing what God has to offer you every moment from here on out. As you say, my priority is going to be living a life in Christ, abiding with him, growing in him, looking at Jesus and say, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? I'm doing that. I'm saying things like that. Because that's what following him is about. And guess what happens in this process? We continue. God continues restoring us to right relationship with him. Continue. You said, whoa, 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 Tom. Like, substitutionary atonement, like last week you talked about that. Like, as soon as my sins were wiped away, I had right relationship with God. No, the door was open. God looked at you and said, there is nothing hindering. There is no sin. There's no wrongdoing. There's nothing barring our relationship. The door is wide open now. But imagine if you just said, awesome, door's open. I'm out now, Lord, see ya. I'll check in every once in a while. Would we call that a relationship with God? Would we call that a growing relationship? No, we've got to understand it in the context of how real relationships work. That obstacle has been wiped away. That's what atonement was all about. And now the door is open. The door is open now for us to grow in our relationship, to learn more and more about who God is, to actually go deeper and deeper, to surrender more of myself over and over and over. That is what this life in Christ is all about. It's why sometimes when people said, hey, I just prayed a, like an atonement prayer last night. I just said, Lord, forgive me my sins, come into my life. And then the next day, like, I didn't have everything you talked about this morning, Tom, because it's an ongoing growth. When we plug into Christ and we live it out day after day after day, is today a hard day for you to live it out? I mean, is today a day, like, really, honestly, you don't even know why you, pl- you turned in this morning because life in Christ is the last thing on your mind. The reminder to you this morning is that this restoring and this ongoing relationship with God comes from the choice of living a life in Christ. Listen how, um, if we look at how it's said in the beginning of the Bible, we actually learn in Genesis that God said, let us make humans in our own image. Like we were actually made like God in so many ways, in so many ways. Relationships was a big part of it, our communion and our connection with God. Life in Christ also restores us to this image of God, this ongoing restoration into the image of God. Listen how John says it. John says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world, great declaration from Christ. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have, here it is, the light of life. As Jesus connects these light and life, Jesus says, if you follow me, quite simply, you will have the life. You will have this life if you would follow me, if you would just follow. It's a daily decision to wake up and to follow Christ day in and day out. How do I do this? How do I even begin 
doing this. I don't even know that much about Jesus or about God. I've, you know, I've just started this whole thing. You know, this three-week series you've been on, like this is my first introduction to this type of thing. Or maybe you would say, I know all this type of stuff. I've just kind of hardened my heart to it. It just kind of lost significance to me. I want to remind you of the thing we've been saying for several weeks. Give everything you know of yourself to everything you know of God. Everything you know who you are, surrender that over to everything you know of God. You're going to keep learning about God. You're going to keep learning about yourself. You're going to have more things to surrender over to God. And when you do, you're going to learn something new about God. When you choose to open up his word and say, as a follower of God, I'm going to value the scripture. I'm going to actually read and learn more about God and about Jesus Christ. As you learn more, you're going to say, oh, wow, there's these few other areas of my life. I could find tremendous value and purpose in surrendering those over to God. Give everything you know of yourself to everything you know of God. Here's what I want to do as we close up. I want to remind you as we've done the last two weeks of these quick ABCs of becoming a Christian. Admitting you have a problem. We've talked about that a bunch. The problem is I, like, I can't cover over my own sin. I can't find this right relationship with God. I can't be restored to the image of God just by anything I do, you know, creating this great list of do's and don'ts and kind of balancing it out and making sure the good size stays, you know, stays above. No, I have a problem. And I have to believe that Jesus was the answer to that problem. Jesus' death on the Christ was the answer for the atonement side of that problem, the sin side of the problem. Jesus is the answer for this value and meaning and grace and peace side of this as well. So I'm going to believe that Jesus is the answer. I believe that he is the answer for everything. And because of that, I'm going to then say, I'm going to commit my life to following Jesus. If it's brand new to you, you commit everything you know of yourself to everything you know of God. If this morning it's a recommitment and you're like, man, you know more about yourself, you know more about God, you commit yourself to following Christ in that this morning. I want to remind you that you'll never get your life really in order without Jesus in your life first. We start with Jesus. We start with Christ and following him and this life in Christ every day. So I want to pray for you right now. And then I want to give you just a little bit of instruction on where you go from here. Would you bow with me? Father, I just believe this morning there is somebody who heard this. Like there are somebody who's brand new. They've never made a commitment to following you. And then there's somebody else who has been following you a long time and they've just got a uh, they've just gotten to the point where their heart's a bit hard to it. It just doesn't seem significant anymore to them. And they've moved on and yeah, they still kind of keep a couple disciplines in place, go to church every once in a while. Father, this morning I believe that there's there's someone in both of those camps that understand the missing piece in their life is they've not shown, chose to have a life in you. They've not chosen to say, I'm going to live out my days. I'm going to follow Christ every single day. Lord, there's some that have just stopped after atonement. Jesus died for my sins. I'm good to go. And they've never found that value or they've missed it of living a life in you. Father, we can't just rest on atonement. We have to keep growing in you. This is all part of the salvation process, growing in you. 
And so this morning, I want to pray. If that's you this morning, I want to ask that you would just surrender yourself to God. That you would just make this declaration in your head. Just say it right now to God. God, I choose to follow Jesus Christ. I choose to follow him. If you've never made a commitment to follow Christ, would you this morning in your head and your heart just say to God, I admit I have a problem. I had a sin problem. I had a a, a meaning and value problem. And I, I believe that Jesus is the answer to that problem. I believe his atonement was the answer to the sin problem. I believe that life in him is the answer to that value and meaning and purpose and direction of my life. And so I, too, commit to following Jesus this morning. And Father, we're excited about anyone who would take a step on their faith journey to follow you. We pray in your son's name. Amen.